to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits and poultry all featured. Additional information such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. The pork industry in Nova Scotia is small but mighty with about 600 producers in total. We have about seven to 10 producers that produce 95% of the pigs, uh, but a majority of producers are small scale producers uh, who primarily buy feeder pigs in the spring, uh, raise them through the summer and uh, have them processed in the fall for their own use. So today I will be joined by Heather McLean to discuss uh, a package that Perennia and Pork Nova Scotia put together a few years ago on an introduction to small scale pig production. So a little bit about Heather, she has a BSc in animal science from the former Nova Scotia Agricultural College and a master's of science in poultry nutrition from the University of Manitoba. Uh, she provides professional advice to farming operations in all aspects of poultry, hog and fur production. She has a special interest in production system as a whole and strives to improve production and quality to maximize results for producers. She has over 20 years of experience working directly with the farm community and also grew up on a hog farm in Newfoundland. Heather has been involved with the Nova Scotia Biosecurity Implementation Program and believes that strong biosecurity programs are elemental to the success of our agricultural industries. Heather, thanks for being with us today. Hi, Brad. It's great to be here. Thanks. So, Heather, we've talked a lot over the years about uh, how we support small-scale producers in Nova Scotia uh, with getting accurate and correct information uh, in a timely manner to raise pigs on a small scale. Uh, and an initiative that we undertook back in 2016 was develop um, what we affectionately call the baby pig package. So I want to thank you today uh, for, for joining us for sure. So at, at a high level, you know, what are some very primary things that when somebody goes and picks up their feeder pig, you know, one of those 35 pound pigs, what are the, the primary things that they should be thinking about as far as just high level? Well, when when people pick up their feeder pig from the feed store or the producer that they're buying them from, there's often a lot of questions that they do have. You know, some of these folks have, have never raised pigs before. Uh, so this is a whole brand new experience. And so they've got this, this feeder pig in their hands and they go, okay, that's great. What do I do now? But even if they've had pigs before, there's often a number of things that they sort of have wondered about or aren't quite sure about and, and can definitely pick up a bit of information here and there. So the kind of overarching different types of topics that we sort of looked at and and you and I had talked about when we looked at developing this this baby pig package uh, was things like you know the fact that there's a code of practice and you know what's in it why is it there and how can they use it to better develop their production capabilities uh, we talked about biosecurity and why it's important what it is and how they can actually be biosecure whether they've got two pigs or or 200 pigs the, the pig trace traceability program is one thing that I think is we'll definitely you know touch on as we talk. The housing and how they're raising their pigs, uh, the equipment that they would need to to be able to feed and water the pigs and whatnot. You know the health uh, and all the components that go in around that, and also things related to slaughter. So 
you know, they, they've got this pig and they know they're going to raise it for meat. Uh, but a lot of times folks don't necessarily know when is the right time to send it to slaughter. Uh, and how do I get it there? How do I transport it there? How do I, you know, how do I get it on the trailer and whatnot? So those are, are kind of at a high level, the different types of things that, you know, when somebody does first get into to raising pigs uh, or has a few, that's the sort of questions that tend to come back. Perfect. Thanks very much. And, um, you know, let's start with the code of practice. Uh, this is something that exists in in multiple livestock and, and animal groups. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about what the code of practice is and, and why it's important for people to be at least familiar uh, with the requirements and recommendations within the code? Yeah, so the, the codes of practice is sort of the short term for what we called the codes of practice for the care and handling of farm animals. Uh, and so these are nationally developed guidelines that has been developed for virtually all farm animal species in Canada. And they talk about what the animal care requirements for different species are and what the recommended practices are. So essentially it promotes sound management and welfare practices. And then there's educational tools, tools and reference materials that regulations and animal care assessment programs are really based on. Uh, and so for somebody who's got just a handful of pigs, it's great to know that those are there because they can be reference points when somebody has questions for things like, you know, how much space do my animals need? How much, how much feeding space or how much watering space do they require? So really, they're, they're sort of a ground base reference point that anybody can use, you know, whether, whether you've got a few pigs or whether you're, you've got a couple of hundred. And if somebody wants to access those, the National Farm Animal Care Council website is www.nfacc.ca. And so if you go there, you'll be able to find the link to the codes of practice and you'll be able to pick whichever species you happen to be looking for. So you've just brought this pig home, uh, maybe for the very first time. What should you be doing to monitor, make sure it's settling in appropriately, both for the pig or pigs, uh, as well as for yourself as, as the caretaker? Yeah, so those first few days are certainly uh, important ones, especially if you're new to having pigs, uh, because your your pigs going to be or pigs are going to be settling in. Uh, but as a a new pig owner, you, you're going to be, you know, settling into the whole thing as well. Uh, so yeah, over those first few days, definitely keep an extra close eye on them. Uh, you want to make sure that they're all eating and drinking, and so spend a little extra time keeping an eye on them. And, you know, when you feed them, make sure that one's not off to the side and hasn't eaten. And if it has, make sure that it does have access to feed. Make sure that they're all drinking and that your watering system is working like you think it was going to and so that they all have access to water and are actually drinking enough. You want to make sure that they're all staying within the boundaries of the pen, that yes, they're all there when you happen to go out for a few minutes, but hang around a little bit more and make sure that one's not wandering off and then wandering back into the pen. Uh, because they may, if there are weak spots, they may find them fairly quickly. It is a good idea to do a head count every morning and evening when you do your chores, just to make sure that nothing has escaped and that nothing has died out of the way. One thing about pigs is that if a pig has died, sometimes it can disappear. They will consume one another when one has died. You want to make sure that uh, that yeah you haven't lost track of one, and if it has died, you definitely want to find out why. When you're you're getting into doing your chores, once you have pigs, they do require feed and fresh water every day. So checking them every day for these things is, is a great idea, especially right off the bat, but really do it every day because that's what they require. And then also keep an eye open for any sickness that, that may occur. Uh, the moving of pigs itself, if there is an underlying issue, will very often bring something to the surface. Uh, so you wanna be very vigilant about making sure that there's no symptoms showing up and that you don't have any sickness that's in your group of pigs.
Thanks, Heather. And we're going to have another chat uh, with you and, and Dr. Egan Brockoff from uh, the Canadian Port Council as well around some pig health things a little later on uh, in another episode. But, you know, when you're monitoring uh, your pigs for illness, you know, how do you prepare to to deal with that? Should they be set aside from the other group, like the main group of pigs? How do you make it safe and, and easy for both you and the pig? Yeah, I think that's an important point, Brad. Thanks. So something to consider when you're setting up your housing is to make sure that you do have a separate area that you can restrain the pigs, especially as they're getting bigger. They can get much, much harder to handle. And so you want to make sure that you've got an area set aside where you can give them a good look over or you can give them medication if you need to. The other thing to consider is that if you do end up with a pig or pigs that show signs of an illness, uh, you should set them aside from the rest of the herd because they may have something that they can pass on to the rest of the herd. And as well, if they're not feeling well, they're likely to get picked on. And so that's just going to make any condition that they are suffering from a little bit worse. And so set them aside by themselves, monitor them, make sure they're eating and drinking, bring the vet in if that's what is, is needed to be done, but to make sure that you have a quarantine pen. Because it's a quarantine pen, what this means, we're all familiar with quarantine now that we're, you know, home and <laughs> self-isolating as necessary. You want to do something similar to the pigs if they happen to get sick, is that if you're quarantining them, they should have no contact with the rest of the pigs. So it's not a pen that they can touch noses in between. Uh, they should be completely separate, and that reduces any chance of disease spread if, if there happens to be a disease problem. In upcoming events, Farm Safety Nova Scotia is offering a June 9th mental health literacy training session. Please contact Lori for more information or to register at info at farmsafetyns.ca or 902-957-2785. Upcoming Atlantic Stockyard feeder sale dates are May 25th. There will also be a feeder sale in June, July, and August. On May 15th, there will be a spring breeding stock sale as well. Uh, please note that the original scheduled cattle appreciation day for that day will be postponed. If you have any more questions, please visit AtlanticStockyards.com for their full schedule uh, and booking information. Are you a student seeking a summer job? The Agri-Commodity Management Association and the Sheep Producers Association of Nova Scotia are each seeking one student for summer work term. These job postings, which close for applications May 21st, can be found at nssheep.ca or on the Canadian Job Bank. The Farm Products Council of Canada and the Canadian Sheep Federation will be hosting a webinar on May 20th at 8 p.m. to discuss a national promotion and research agency. Please visit nssheep.ca for participation info. The agri-stability enrollment deadline have been extended to June 30th, 2021. Please visit www.agr.gc.ca for more information. And for programming available in Nova Scotia, make sure you're checking the Nova Scotia Department of Agriculture website at novascotia.ca forward slash programs. Thanks, Heather. You know, one of the big parts uh, and the central parts, I think, to the codes uh, are around the actual management of the pigs. And one of the things, particularly for small scale producers, that's probably fundamentally different from more commercial type producers is the housing of the pigs. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the different uh, types of housing that would be adequate and appropriate for smaller scale producers? Absolutely. So you're you're dead on. The housing that a smaller scale producer uses is is very very different than what the larger scale commercial commercial producers will have for the most part. 
but the basic elements is pretty comparable. Uh, so essentially, you're looking to have an appropriate and secure housing for your pigs. Um, you want to make sure that, you know, whether they're indoors or outdoors or a combination, that they're safe, have access to feed and water and have proper shelter. And so the right housing for your pigs is going to be different for your individual situation and the pigs that you have. Essentially, they're going to require adequate shelter that will protect them from the elements. So, you know, the rain, the sun and protect them from predators. A basic shelter is going to be sufficient as long as it's weatherproof and it's dry inside. And you, you're going to want to make sure that your pigs have access to shelter as well, especially the, the lighter skinned pigs, because they do sunburn quite easily. The other thing to consider is that if now a lot a lot of hogs will be slaughtered in the fall, but something that should be considered if you're going to keep them through the winter, that you need to have adequate housing for the winter as well. So something that's not too cold, protected from the wind, and it's going to stay dry even if you've had snow. So one of the things uh, I, I think we've both seen a lot are different types of, of housing for pigs. Any suggestions on just a very basic uh, structure, whether it's purchased or, or built from home that would meet the majority of those uh, requirements or meet all the requirements for housing? Sure. Um, so a simple shed is sufficient. You know, even uh, hay bales that are stacked around that have a roof over top of them, uh, as long as it's large enough for the animals you have and you're not getting drafty spots. Um, so you want to make sure that it's sheltered from wind entering in and that when it's, you know, when it's raining or windy or, or a little bit messy outside, that they've got a really dry, safe spot that they can go. So it, it can really be quite straightforward and simple. Uh, it doesn't have to be big and fancy. It doesn't have to be a $10,000 shed that someone comes in and erects for you. It's simply that they've got walls that aren't drafty and a roof over top of them and a spot that they can go that's safe. So a lot of these pigs are have outdoor access uh, on a small scale production. Uh, one of the things that we know about pigs is they're kind of curious and and like to discover new things. And so what's the best way to keep them around, I guess? And by around, I mean not running all over the neighborhood. <laughs> um, I think it's an understatement to say their curiosity for sure. They're one of the most curious creatures around. And I think many people have underestimated their ability to explore and escape. So yeah, if, if you're going to have your pigs out on pasture, you definitely want to keep them from roaming either onto the highway or into the neighbor's yard, because that just never ends well. So there's a few different ways to go about it, and it'll vary a little bit depending on the amount of space that you actually want to keep them in. So fences and panels for just a simple way to keep them in an enclosed space or piece of ground. But you wanna make sure that it's very solid and very well built because they're gonna root at any weak spot that you have there. And if they find a weak spot, that is the place that they're gonna spend most of their attention because they're gonna play with it, they're gonna poke at it. And you should never underestimate the ability of a pig to get loose. It should be high enough that they can't walk over them, but you wanna make sure that you can still get in and out. So at least 90 centimeters high for something along those lines. And the other thing to think about, too, is that a lot of people have used electric fence uh, to enclose their pigs, and it can be very, very effective. But you need to make sure you train them. The first time a pig comes up to an electric fence and gets that shock, they don't back up, they bolt forwards. And so having panels around the outside of that electric fence through a training process is going to be something that will serve you well, uh, because they will need to be trained on the electric fence, or you're going to find that you fence them out of the spot instead of in because they will have gone through your fence. 
So I think one of the, the primary misconceptions is a lot of folks, especially if they haven't had pigs in the past, is that they're dirty animals. But the, actually, the opposite is true. Um, so what type of, you know, we call them yards, but what type of footing do you want underneath the pigs uh, as far as, you know, do you need a gravel spot? Are they okay just on an earthen outdoor area? What's the best way to keep those pigs uh, happy and healthy underfoot? So I don't know that there's necessarily a best way. Certainly a concrete pad or a, like a solid wood floor is always great, especially when you get into the housing situation because it's easier to keep it clean. Um, it's a little less messy. It's easier to clean up. If you're looking at the outdoor pasture piece of it, um, obviously it's going to be out on the ground and they will look sometimes like they are those messy animals, but really they're, they'll roll in the mud to keep cool because they don't have sweat glands. And so this is, you know, wallowing in the mud is the way that they keep cool. And they're not wallowing in their manure. They're, they've defecated elsewhere. And so it's really just mud that they're messy in. So yeah, the, in this situation, there's not necessarily a best, uh, but certainly a, a solid floor would be easier to maintain and keep clean when you're looking in the shed. One thing to keep in mind too, that when we talk about having pigs on pasture is that some people will keep them in the same piece of land, whereas other people have the ability to rotate them through different pastures. The longer you keep them on one piece of land, the more likely they are to dig themselves a mud hole and the more damage they're going to do to that pasture. So rotating them through will certainly help keep that a little bit cleaner. It'll save some of the pasture and also it's a great way to break a parasite cycle and reduce the chance of spreading disease at the same time. I'm glad you started to talk about parasites and some other pathogens. By nature, pigs have been prone to some fairly important, devastating uh, diseases over time. What's the best way to ensure uh, you're reducing the risk of those pathogens, especially between uh, groups of pigs? So if you're going to have an early spring group and and maybe a, a later uh, later summer group as well, what's the best way to keep that uh, area and barn clean between those uh, groups of pigs? Well, it's and certainly this is assuming that you're not mixing your pigs. Uh, so you've got two different ages that you're keeping separately, or you've got uh, pigs that you're bringing in in year one, and then you've sent them off to slaughter. And then in year two, you've got a second batch of pigs that's coming in um, as a, a kind of a clean group. Um, so yeah, it is really important to make sure that between herds that you clean the burn uh, and you make sure you move the manure, move the bedding, do some burn maintenance to make sure that any areas that get damp, you know, waters that leak and whatnot have been cleaned up. But pathogens can survive in a, a living area from year to year and they do present risks to the new pigs that are coming in. So you want to make sure that between batches you scrape it down, wash, disinfect and allow it to dry. You know, putting bedding down or new pigs in a wet area is not going to work well for you either. So yeah, it, you know, make sure it's disinfected, cleaned. Pressure washers, it, you know, coming in and pressure washing the pen in between herds is a great way, especially a hot pressure washer. It can do a great job of getting rid of that dirt and gets rid of the underlying, you know, the, the biofilms and the pathogens that you can't see. And so it's, it cleans up and makes sure that you can get rid of what might have been so that you don't pass it on to the new pigs. Here's the market report for the weekend in May 7th, 2021, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited, which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mark for more than 60 years. In the local hog market, base price in Nova Scotia was $2.48 per kilogram, flat from last week. In Ontario, base price was flat and sits at $2.39 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $2.45 per kilogram, up 4.4 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle 
price at Atlantic Beef Products was $2.41 on the rail, no change from last week. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.45, moving down one cent from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $2.53, up five cents from last week. Call cattle at Atlantic Stockyards sold for $0.90, cents, an upward change of $0.08 cents from last week, while rail price at Atlantic Beef Products was $1.54, up $0.02 cents from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged $0.79, cents, up $0.04 cents from last week, and $0.76 cents in Quebec, moving up $0.01. Cent. Good bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic Stockyards sold for $232, up $15, while calves in Ontario were down... 16 cents to a price of $1.92 per pound. Calves in Quebec were $1.86, an increase of 9 cents per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumberland Brookside Abattoir was $15.40 per kilogram, and mutton is $6 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards averaged $3.55 per pound at 55 pounds. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs averaged $4.41 per pound at 58 pounds, ranging from 3.55 to 5.65. For 65 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards, they averaged $3.60 per pound at 75 pounds, ranging from 3.15 to 3.60. In Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs averaged 4.27 at 72 pounds, ranging from $1.10 to 4.86. Use at Atlantic Stockyards ranged from $120 to $270, averaging $180, and in Ontario, use averaged $1.58 at 154 pounds, ranging from $0.65 cents to $2.75. Make sure you check your association's websites for additional pricing information. So you've mentioned bedding a couple of times. What are some appropriate bedding materials uh, for pigs, and I guess maybe my question, uh, additionally to that, is does it change by uh, the age of the pig? So, is there a more appropriate bedding material for younger pigs versus older pigs, and uh, and when do you make that switch if you do make it? So, I don't think you need to worry too much about switching your type of bedding depending on the age of the pigs that you you have to be putting in there. Uh, the big thing is to make sure that you do offer bedding to them. Uh, there's, there's several different types that that work. Typically you look at straw, hay, or shavings, uh, depending on what you have available and you know your, what your cost requirements are. The key is that your bedding is dry and that particularly if you're using hay or straw, that you're not bringing in something that's too mold, that has mold in it or that's dusty. And typically if you're using hay for bedding, that's the one that I tend to get more concerned about uh, because it tends to be a little bit more prone to dust or mold. So just to make sure that it's it's a good quality, it's clean, it's not dusty, but preference tends to be individual over which type people are going to use. What are some other key pieces of equipment or other materials somebody that's uh, you know buying a pig for the first time might want to consider as far as watering, feed troughs, water troughs? We've talked about pigs being pretty curious uh, whether or not there are things to catch and keep their attention and keep them happy in either their indoor or outdoor housing. Any comments on, on those things? Um, sure. So let's touch on feeders and waterers first, because that's certainly a, a really key piece in having your pig is, is that you're going to be able to feed and water them and with minimal frustration on your end, because like you've talked about, pigs are very, very curious and will pay a lot of attention to something if they can move it around or stick their nose under it or anything along those lines. So let's let's look at maybe waterers first. And people don't always realize how much water pigs are actually going to go through as you raise them. 
uh, but they can drink 10 or more liters of water per day, especially when it starts to get warm. And so it's really important that they have a clean, fresh supply of water. And this could really be a challenge, trying to keep it clean and trying to get the volume there that they need. There's a few different options for watering systems, and it, it depends on how you're set up and what your preferences are as to which one you're going to use. A concrete trough or one that's bolted to the ground or the side of the pen works really well because it's a little bit harder for the pigs to move it around. And a nipple drinker would be something similar along those lines. So it's a little bit easier to keep clean uh, and a little easier to keep where you left it. Portable troughs can work very well, but it's hard to get one that the pigs aren't going to um, flip their noses underneath and they're not going to flip it or one that they're not going to climb into and decide they're going to sit in it because that makes it really hard to keep your water clean. The other thing to think about is how you're going to get the water into that trough or water system. And so whether it's an automatic system that you don't have to, you know, fill buckets and manually fill, uh, or whether you're going to, to manually figure out how you're going to get water in there. Do you have any creative solutions uh, as far as some establishing some of those water troughs? I know I've seen a couple of things where people will cut, you know, the poly barrels, the, the 45 gallon plastic barrels. Uh, and then creatively bolt them to uh, a couple of cinder blocks or or maybe a pallet to help prevent them uh, from moving around. Any other suggestions that you've seen? Um, actually, I think that suggestion's a, a really good one. And if you can bolt them down, that's absolutely one of the easier ways to go. Just be aware that eventually they they will probably still find a way to make it loose. So there is something, no matter what kind of creative design you're going to come up with, there's a few things to think about, too, is if you're using an automated water system or if um, like something that some folks have done is have a separate water storage and then they fill their waters out of that. And so that's not an automated system, but they're not hauling buckets either. But something that, that anybody should keep in mind is to keep their water system out of direct sunlight, no matter how you're you're looking to fill it up. Uh, because that minimizes the risk of algae growth uh, and bacteria buildup. And then if you are running a water line, and if it is in the sun anywhere along the lines, you should use a lighter colored pipe instead of a darker colored pipe, because the darker colored pipe can heat the water up to the point that it actually gets too hot for the pigs to drink. And so they might have access to water, and you're still finding dehydrated pigs because they simply, they just won't drink it, it's too hot. So we're going to talk about specifics of feeding pigs uh, in another episode, but Let's talk about feeders a little bit as well, you know, along the same lines as waters. What's a good setup? Uh, what are some fundamental things you want to keep in mind when you're setting up your feeding trough? So with a feeding trough, you're looking at some similar thought processes as you do with the water troughs. The size of the feeder should be relative to the number of pigs and the size that they're going to be. And you should put some thought into how you're going to fill it. Uh, so if you've only got a few pigs, then you're probably going to hand fill your feeder. And so... So you don't need to worry about a hopper or running feed lines or anything along those lines. If you have a lot of pigs or, or you know more than a few, uh, then you may look at a larger scale hopper that can top you can top off with a bucket of a tractor, for example, because you're going to go through tons of feed rather than you know the small bags of feed. And so it makes a difference how you're going to handle it. As far as the way that you're actually is going to feed them in the feeders themselves, uh, you're really just looking for uh, a contained feeding method that will deter, will be out of the weather for one, that you can easily get filled and will have enough feeding space for the number of pigs that you have. Uh, you're also going to want to make sure that as well as keeping out the weather, that birds and rodents are going to be able to get into it as well. And the same is for your feed storage. You're going to want to keep rodents and birds and the weather out of those as well. And since we're sort of talking a little bit about feeders, 
Um, I think we'd be remiss not to re-mention sort of the pasture piece as well, uh, because pigs will eat, they'll go through and they will graze and eat the pasture and whatnot. And as I mentioned before, they are quite aggressive and they will root up whatever pasture you have. And so rotating through, like I mentioned before, is a good idea on that as well. Thanks very much, Heather. Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak with you as it always is. And we're going to have you back to talk a little bit more about feeding and uh, handling and transport and getting animals ready for processing here uh, in the near future. But in the meantime, for our listeners, if you're interested in, in accessing the resource that we've been using as the basis of our conversation today, I invite you to visit porknovascotia.ca and go to the resources page there and click on the intro to small scale pig production. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime Agcast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes.